be um, uh, reading our scripture today. I'm Dante Cook, covenant member here at SOMA, and today's scripture will be Colossians 3, 12 through 17. And while you all are flipping there, I want to throw out a quick challenge um, for anyone who might be looking at it on their phones today. The uh, Apple hit me with that screen time this morning. Anybody else get that? The screen time? Yeah, I'm on like a mission to like lower my screen time percentage every week. Um, so one good way that we could do that at church and not be checking our fantasy football lineups and who's injured and who isn't um, is to just grab the physical Bibles around you so that we can be plugged in, we could stay connected, and we could be diving into the spiritual disciplines uh, in a way that would be reflective of how we should do it at night. Um, me, I know personally at night it's easy to look at the Bible on your app. But then that also gets you in that cycle of not going to bed. It also gets you in that same cycle of getting distracted by another notification. So let's just try to practice here today, not using our phone to do the app and just grab one around you. So Colossians 3, 12 through 17. I'll get done with my sermon so Pastor Phil can come up here and do his. And I ain't even turned to the scripture yet. All right, it'll be quicker for me to just read it on my Bible. Here we go. All right. Colossians 12, or 3, 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Dante. Good morning. It's so good to stand before you. I, I am Phil, one of the pastors here, and there are two Bibles up here. Boy, if I had enough words to speak from. It's only one true word, amen? Holy Bible. It, so the theme for today is, is simply, what does it mean for us to... Uh, grow together, to change together. And I know a lot of us ask the questions, who am I and what is my identity and what it is that I'm supposed to do? I mean, we ask that question as it pertains to our profession. And some of us may even ask that question as it pertains to being in the church, being a part of the body of Christ. Who am I and what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to behave? And, and that is what we want to focus on in this passage. And it is, and I hope that we can answer that question. And so the big question is, or the big statement is this, we are image bearers of Christ. And within our new identity, it requires new behavior. Our new identity requires a new behavior. And I want to pray with us, and then we'll jump right into the text. Lord Jesus, so grateful 
that we're able to open your word. We pray that you would feed us, your spirit would speak to us. May this day be purposeful, and we will receive all that you have for us so that we could be encouraged and even challenged, that we can honor and glorify you in our lives and among each other. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we are the body of Christ, and we come from different experiences, uh, different backgrounds, and yet we are called to be image bearers of Christ, and we bring that into this relationship, uh, the church. And so it's very important that we understand and be reminded of our identity in Christ, and we're reminded of how we behave, coexist, engage, live among the people that don't share our experiences. And now in this service, we're a little bit more diverse, but majority, majority, we're white, majority culture. And that's cool. That's who we are today. But our desire is to be a church that reflect the glory of God and also that also will be an image of what heaven would be where there are multiple tongues and tribes and nations before the throne of God. So we want to experience that, but we are trusting God to do that. But here we are today, and this is who we are. So we need to understand why we are here and what God calls us to. So I want to talk about uh, a little bit about our past. Before we can really embrace and own our new identity, we have to be reminded of where we've come from, and we have to be reminded of this because in our relationships, we sometimes revert to our old ways. So I want to read a few verses in the book of Colossians, and then we'll move towards our passage that was read, and you'll have some practical applications, three applications, and guess what? I only have one huge illustration, one huge illustration. And that illustration is going to carry throughout all of those, those three, all of those, those three applications. So hopefully you can follow me and you can hopefully by the spirit of God, by the grace of God and the spirit working in us, we will remember what he's saying to us. And even after we leave this space, that the spirit of God will continue to work in us and based on, working us based on what we heard today. Okay. So about who we, we were. Some of us, truth be told, are still there. We're not crossover. We're not in the image of God at this point. That's, that's cool for now. All right, glad you're here. So we were once in darkness, but by the grace of God, we have come out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ. All this because of, of the love of God and then the gift of salvation through Christ. We are called into a new life with Christ. We have a new identity with a new behavior. God has called us to a new life with Christ that requires a holy lifestyle. That is consistent with our new identity. God has called us to a holy lifestyle, which is consistent with our new identity. The two verses in Colossians. Colossians 1, verses 15 and 16. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Jesus is Lord, and he is holding all things together. This is what we call the Imago Dei, that we were created in God's image, and he created us so that we can reflect who he is in community, in this body. And so that's who we are. We are image bearers of daddy. 
You look like your daddy. We also want to act like daddy too. And then in the Colossians 1, verses 21 and 22, it says this, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Jesus reconciled us to the Father, and he presents us as holy. We'll talk about that a little bit when we look at verse 12, but we're not there yet. I want to take a snapshot of the way we used to be. Maybe some, some struggles that we still have, but this is what we've been saved from. Let's go down that memory lane. Verses 5 through 9, sexual immorality. We had sex or have sex outside of marriage relationship, impure, passions. Passion, that is, selfish goals without regards to others. Evil desires and covetous. Covetous simply means that we're greedy for other people's stuff. Verse 8, we also walked and lived with anger and in wrath in our hearts. We were malice and malicious, revengeful, spiteful. We were people who, you, who slandered other people. We made false and damaging statements about people. We had obscene language in our mouths. We used crude, lewd, and vulgar language. Verse 9, we lied to each other. We are image bearers of God the Father. We are called to reflect the Father's character in love and in peace and encouraging others to the glory of God. And so whatever you do, do in the word and also indeed do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So here's who we are. Verse 10. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator, regardless of our background, our race, culture, and socioeconomic status. That is a point I like to make because in verse 11, uh, Paul addresses the situation that was going on at the church of Colossae. And that was, and I'll read verse 11, I'll tell you what was happening there. So you had uh, here, there, where there is no, in God, there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is in all and is all. Well, what was happening was that the Greeks did not agree and did not like the Scythians. And the Scythians were those who traded by the Black Sea. They were a description of that people group. They were violent uneducated, uncivilized, and altogether they were considered inferior. So that was happening in the day, and truth be told, we have those realities in our world, in our church perhaps, uh, today. And so again, the reality is that God does not make any messes, that God is an equal God, a God who believes in equality, God who is not partial, a God who does not discriminate because we were born, created in his image. So to look down on someone else's uh, situation, their race, their socioeconomics, we have no right because we're not God and we're all God's creations, red and yellow, black and white. We are precious in his sight. At this time, if you're in the black church, you can say amen. amen. So we are image bearers of Christ, and he is pleased with his creation. Now, I don't understand why he makes it so different. 
not just from a socioeconomic or race standpoint, but just in our own personalities. We could be some, some of us say we're quirky, quirky, lame, or whatever. I don't know. And we tend, we tend to identify with people that are like us, and therefore we don't necessarily engage with people that are not like us. They don't share our interests and values. What right do we have? Or we limit ourselves. And all of this beautiful God's creation, let's, get to, let's understand why, just a little bit, as to why God has made us different. Yeah. And let me say this. We are being renewed, and this is what Scripture says, that we are being renewed by God daily. And I'll just, I'll just read that right here. I lost my place. I'll get back to it. So in verse 12, we are called to put on, on God as chosen ones. We are holy. And what it means for us to be holy is that we have likeness of nature with the Lord. That is, we ought to be different from the world. We're holy. We're beloved, that God loved us even in our sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because of his great love. We are his beloved, chosen by him before the beginning of time. God knew us, and he chose you and me. His spirit drew us to him. And we respond to this great gift of salvation. Bless the Lord. So we are to put on, as God's chosen people, put on a compassionate heart. So we are to be people who are moved in the inward, in the deepest affections towards others. That's who we are in our new identity, compassionate people. We are kind people. Spirit produced kindness and meeting real needs, that we care for each other. We want to be kind in serving those in our community. It's what we are called to. That's how we behave within our new, with our new identity. Humility. He wants to have modesty and having a low opinion of ourselves. That's not always easy for proud folk. We can all be that sometimes. He also wants us to be meek and that's something that's hard sometimes, at least for me, and I want to talk more about that in a minute. But it means to suffer with patience. Being in the midst of stuff that you don't like, but God is just wanting you to get through, to wait on him, to trust him through the storm. And then he calls us to be patient, to be steadfast and preserving and doing what is right. So these are all Christian virtues. Here's my illustration. So you know in community, stuff happens. In family, stuff happens. Now, I don't want to talk about, even though I would like for us to consider, as we talk about my illustration, I want to talk about, consider relationships we have with each other. Husbands and wives and brothers and sisters, even those who, have, who are roommates. And our relationship in the church Sometimes we will have some issues. Verse 13 said we will, there will be complaints about something we've do, we've done. 
and, and we're going to have to forgive. So I had one of those situations where I was forced to extend to express Christian virtues that I have as uh, image bearer of Christ with a new behavior. So I've worked in a number of churches over the years. I'm an old man. And this church wasn't Soma, by the way. So I was on staff of a church, and we had a team of us, other pastors, and we had a retreat. And I, and in this retreat was someone's home, and it was a large living room, but we had a large team, if you will, and, and there wasn't enough seats for everyone to sit in chairs, had a fireplace, and so I just, re, I just decided, or decided to uh, sit on the floor. And some of the sisters came into the room and said, oh, that's so nice of you, Phil, that you're making room for the sisters. That's what Christians do, right? We're considerate. We're kind. We just talked about that. And I'm not bragging on myself, by the way. I just wanted to sit on the floor. And then one of my colleagues, uh, he said, oh, when the ladies were saying that's so nice and kind of you, so Phil's sitting on the floor because he's black. Let that sit in a little bit. And so when I heard that, and you know, sometimes when there's uh, an altercation or a situation and, and you're like saying, did I just hear that? <laughs> You've been there before. Did I just see that? Okay, so I heard that. And my response was, I got up and I went towards him. And I hauled back and I, no, I did not. Did not. The old field perhaps would have done that. I don't know. But you have to know a little bit about me in that situation. So I grew up inner city in Atlanta. Things are rough, and, and there are certain things that, you know, if stuff happened, stuff jumped off and it popped off away. Certain things you didn't say. But that was said to me. And I responded with words. And my words were, I will let you say that, but that's not cool. I have to explain to you what it means for me to say, I'll let you say that. It's simply saying that, boy, if I had the old man on me, I could have done something to you. But I simply, you know, it's an embarrassing moment. I'm the only ethnic minority in the room. But I, in turn, say, I'll let you say that, but that isn't that isn't cool. And then what happened, I'm going to go on, and we'll come back to the story, so just stay focused, stay with me. And during that time, there were some people that had responses, so they weren't all silent when they heard the comment. And after that setting, one person approached me and said, I didn't like that. And I'm gonna, I need to have a conversation with our superior. because He was there in the room, but he didn't say anything. And I said, well, you should go to him and have that conversation. And I knew I had to make a decision, but I'll continue. So then we, we find in verse 13 that we are called to bear with one another. And if one has complained against another, you forgive each other. You forgive each other. We forgive each other because the Lord has forgiven us. What right? Sometimes we may say our actions are justifiable. When we respond a certain way, it's justifiable to us. But does it line up with our new behavior and our new identity? Is the question. First application, verse 14, it says, I put on love, 
put on love. Because love, it binds everything together. Everything together in perfect harmony. Put on love. That's the first application. When you have a situation, a complaint, an issue, a spat, put on love. That's the first application. Romans 14, 19 says this, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Romans 12, 17, 18, and 19 say, they say this, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Verse 18, If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably, live peaceably with all. Verse 21, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You still with me? Step two in the illustration. I, moved, I went to the brother. Outside of the context, I went to him, and, and I had an approach of peace. And that's the other application we're moving towards, is that the peace of God rules us, rules our hearts, the peace of God. So therefore, as image bearers, it's important for me to behave likewise, that I pursue the brother peace. So I went to him. You know, forgiveness requires, or forgiveness requires that we come into a new body with God and we have bad experiences, but we are called to respond with the, within those bad experiences to respond in peace. So I went to him and I said, brother, I re- reiterated what I said in front of everybody. Here's the deal. When someone accuses you or uh, offends you publicly, you have a response to address that publicly. Let me say that. If someone, you should say something, but say the right things. Use better words than saying negative things, not to be a slanderer. Or don't pull people to the side and be malicious, tearing people down. You simply, it's a teachable moment. You let the individual know that isn't cool, and everyone in that room that that wasn't a cool statement. Because if I don't say anything in that context, in that situation, then perhaps people think it's all right to say that. That's why we have to address that's a teachable moment for everyone. The guy who said it and those who heard it. Okay? And hoping that I said the right thing, that it's pleasing to others that heard it. Okay? That's biblical. Okay. So I approached in peace, and I shared with him that that wasn't a cool thing to do. And I said, I believe I know your heart. Serve on the same team. And I knew a little about him that he did not filter his words. You know, sometimes we say things without thinking. Stupid stuff. We do. We don't mean to. And then sometimes we just say, you know, haphazardly, haphazardly, I just don't care what you think about what I just said. That isn't becoming of Christ. That's not a life that God calls us. That's not a behavior that God calls us to have. To the point we don't care what people think about what we say. Because we should. And everything you do, in your words and your deeds, do everything that honors God, that pleases God, in everything we do. So I said it wasn't cool, and I said it may even be good for you. Uh, he said, I'm sorry. He did apologize. And I said, it may be good for you to write an email to the team, just to let them know, you know, that you had a conversation with me. And just in case they were offended, you know, ask them to come and talk to you. So, you're, so he needs to open that conversation up for them. So that's what happened in that situation. New identity, identity requires new behavior. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. The third application, verse 16. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns with thanksgiving to God. It was important that I spoke the truth to that brother, to my brother, that I spoke the truth in love. And there are times in which we don't want to deal with situations that we are confronted by or with, and we run. We avoid confrontation, but we are called to be intentional with each other, pursuing peace and pursuing the person so we can work out that matter. And so here's a, a really good thing that you probably know about. And so in Matthew 18, 15, it says this, if your brother or sister sins against you, you go and you tell him or her his fault between you and him alone. Okay? pursuing the peace, and making sure you use the word. You need to be students of the word to understand, how do I respond to this? How do I respond to this person who made this comment? So I go to him one-on-one, and I don't, uh, and with the intent to win him, between he and myself, and if he listens to me, or listens to you, you have gained your brother or sister. This is real. Let me pause real quick. And let me just ask this question. Are any of us at this time holding ill will against someone in the fellowship, in the body? That we just like, I don't want to have anything to do with them. I'll avoid them at all costs. And we come to church and we sing, we get our praise on, we get a word and we leave. We have no interaction with that person. Been in church a long time and I know that stuff happens. And it's probably happening here. My challenge to you is that you pursue them. Is that you put on the love of God. Is that you pursue them with a compassionate heart, with humility, right? And you speak the truth in love. And so that's what we're called to do. And, and here, what does it mean to, to teach? So we, we pursue them. The word, let the word of God dwell within your heart. And you do it through, through, through offering wisdom, advice, through teaching, and admonishing. And, and what does it mean to teach? The Greek word for teach, it means to cause, to learn, to instruct, or to impart knowledge. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm teach you, teaching you, and I've admonished you. And, and also, what does it mean to admonish realistically? It, it's this. In Greek, the word means to, it means to warn. You've been warned. To counsel. To exhort. It could even mean to chastise. In essence, it means to urge someone to do God's best. We got to be about building the body. We got to be about building the body. So God calls us to be one, one in unity and one with harmony, and one that encourages people in the Word, one who challenges people. When we get off bases, when we do things we shouldn't, we need to welcome our brothers and sisters' approach. We need for them to, to offer us, a, 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 to convict, not the, the Holy Spirit convicts, but we need to be able to challenge them in the Word. Call them out on sin is what I'm trying to say. And we don't like doing that, but God calls us to as holy, beloved, God-chosen individuals. Because we are image bearers of Daddy. And we want to behave just like the Spirit would have us to. Praise the Lord. So what does it mean to, 
to admonish and to encourage even in songs. What does that mean? So you look at Ephesians 5. Just, you don't have to go there. Just hear me out. In Ephesians 5, verses 18 and 20, it says, We are to be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of Jesus, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I just had this image in my mind, not just now, I said it this morning too, and, and that is if we're singing the words of truth, there's an old song that you guys have probably never heard of, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what those words say and how just if we sang those words, if the Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you, the Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you, it's so easy. It's so easy to love. Can you imagine doing that when you have a conflict with a brother and a sister? You go to them and say, listen, the Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. And if I see Jesus in you and you see Jesus in me, then I know I got to love you. And loving is a lot easier if I'm seeing Jesus in you. Can you imagine that? Do you, do you sing around the house? you sing songs, songs, hymns? Do you do, you do that? And it, and it does something to your soul. You're worshiping God. But do you sing to each other? My God is more than enough. He will supply all my needs. He is my El Shaddai. He always looks out for me. Jehovah Jireh. He is my God. Just singing to each other. Words of encouragement. I encourage you to do that. Yeah. I got to close this out. Wow. We want to be one body in harmony that gives thanks to God. And whatever we do, whatever you do in word and in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Because even when others are not around, we need to make a decision. God is always there. He holds us accountable. Not to put fear in you, but that is truth. And as a people of God, we are reminded that we need Jesus every single day. That we need to be reminded of our identity in Christ and how our behavior should be aligned with our identity. And every week when we take communion, it gives us that image of, wow, this is what Jesus did for me. And this is why I so desire, want to love him and pursue him, because he died for my sins. His flesh was crushed. His blood was shed for the remission of my sins. And regardless of where I've struggled, I didn't say this in the sermon, I missed it, but I caught it, that we're all a work in progress. And we all sin. And we all struggle, but it's important that we pursue the, the Spirit of God and that we obey the will of God in our lives. We will mess up. We will hurt each other. We will say things we shouldn't say. We will do things we shouldn't do. But because of who we are as Christ's uh, image bearers, bearers, then we, and the way he calls us to behave and his Holy Spirit convicts us, and we hopefully will respond in obedience and we would confess sin. And so now we have an opportunity to receive communion. And for those of you who are not Christ followers or you're not there, we ask that you don't partake. 
And we really want you to consider what it means for you to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus, to where you could take on his image. And he, through his spirit, could change your heart through and through, and your behavior will change. And it will be an awesome impact in the lives of people that you know, people that you hang out with. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful. We thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for the reminder of your word, how we are called as one body to be in harmony, and we're called to allow your spirit to dwell in our hearts. We're called to allow your peace, the peace of Christ to dwell in us so that we can honor you in everything we do, in word and also in deed. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Communion, we have gluten-free to my right.